We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Up Show presented by the Armchair All-Americans. I am your host, Chris Phillips, joined, as always, by my co-host and my colleague, Thomas Floyd. Uh, going, we got a packed show for you guys today. Before we get into all that, please be sure, if you're not rated, if you're not listening to the Spurs Up Show yet, not sure what you're doing at this point, the best Gamecocks podcast on the Internet, be sure to go online, rate, subscribe, share, and download the Spurs Up Show on iTunes, the Stitcher app, really wherever you consume your media, wherever you consume your podcast, be sure to go check us out there. Also, Check us out on our social media handles. We're on Twitter at Armchair S Car. It's going to be at Armchair S C A R. Also on Instagram at Armchair S Car. Had a little bit of a name change this week. Thought, why not make it uniform all across the board? So we're even easier to find. There's even less excuse to follow us. So we're on Instagram and Twitter at Armchair S Car. And like I said, this is a podcast brought to you on brought to you by the Armchair All Americans. Please be sure to go to armchairallamericans.com. For all of your latest breaking Gamecock news and coverage, our coverage is certainly picking up with SEC Media Days just around the corner next week. Football is kind of in the air. You can feel it with some of the cooler temps we've had this week. Uh, so please be sure to go check us out, armchairamericans.com, for all of your latest breaking Gamecock news. Um, like I said, I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, my colleague, Thomas Floyd. Tom, it's great to be back with you again. How have you been? Great. Great to be back. Loving it right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, I will say – I want to mention this is a big, big week for the Spurs Up show um, in regards to we will be – this is going to be the last show you have to listen to where the audio quality just flat out sucks. So yeah. I'm here to admit I appreciate all of our all of our faithful listeners listening along with us, the fact that we've had so many of you guys continue to listen week after week, episode after episode with what I'll admit is subpar audio. I really do appreciate it. But we will be upgrading as of uh, this weekend. I'll be going out getting some new uh, – Record, recording equipment, new laptop. We're also going to be using a new platform to record the shows on. So when we come to you next week and recap Will Muschamp's comments at SEC Media Days, it's going to be, I think you're going to be blown away and you might not even recognize the show anymore. Um, but again, we appreciate all of our listeners staying tuned. So again, last week of the last week, really, of the Spurs Up show, we're going to have to deal with this shit audio. So it's good stuff, exciting stuff. So, and we're also to episode 50, halfway to the, the uh, 100 mark. Absolutely. I absolutely thrilled we got here. I really wasn't sure we were going to get here for a while, so it's really <laughs> fun stuff. <laughs> but let's start every week like we always do, Tom. Favorite news story of the week. Um, I'll go ahead and start. My favorite news story of the week by far is that Clemson is now charging for student tickets. Um, Clemson had a really big issue last year with, I guess, filling the hill up. I really didn't pay really didn't pay too, too much attention to this. Um, 
but actually saw an article kind of, you know, a couple months ago, obviously with offseason talk, you know, kind of just thought that's all it was. Clemson's actually changing their student ticket policy, which I didn't realize how much of a deal it was until I actually I had to reach out to Tom and some of our other uh, some of our other Gamecocks writers who are currently students at South Carolina. And what I didn't realize is that I think Clemson is one of the only or will be one of the only schools in the country, I think, that may charge their students for tickets. Um, I know Gamecocks have a, a lottery system, if you will. They get the tickets for free. So just hilarious stuff. I mean, Clemson, I think they're offering their students like a 280 or $300, $300 package where they can get season tickets. But just an absolutely hilarious, hilarious set of events where the state, the students are actually going to have to pay for their tickets now. So obviously, Tom, you can relate very, very much to this since you are a student there. I mean, it just, just, just a pretty funny turn of events, I'd say. I mean, yeah, I think I, th- I think South Carolina and like there's maybe one other school in the SEC that's like the only ones that still give student tickets for football for free. I don't know about any other schools in the country. I just know that it does suck for Clemson students and to have to pay for tickets. Like I would hate to have to do that. But and I I, I know it has to suck even more because you probably know guy know people that go to Clemson, right? I mean, this is yeah, this probably hits directly home with people you're friends with. Yeah, they're they're not really happy about it from the ones I've talked to, but. Most of them are just probably end up going to end up like not going to games if they can't get a free one. If I just had to guess, which is I don't, because not a lot of people are going to want to pay two hundred bucks to sit in like not that great tickets. I mean, not that great of seats, so can't really blame them there. But yeah, and, and not to cut you off, but like what's funny to me is the some of the bigger personalities I've heard like on the radio are like, oh yeah, that's a really cheap rate. I'm like, do you remember being in college? Like, I didn't have two hundred dollars for season tickets. No, I didn't ever have that in college. But my uh, new story of the week is DeMarcus Cousins to the Warriors. I officially am never going to watch NBA basketball again. But if the Celtics aren't playing on TV, I'm not watching NBA basketball. That basically is driving me insane that a fifth all-star is on a team. of They didn't need him at all. Like, I wish he – like, I understand the, the viewpoint of that he needs to, like, go and heal himself from his Achilles injury and also win a championship at the same time. But, like, dude, the Warriors – like, you're KD, but way worse at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be completely honest with you, Tom. I, I was <clears throat> I was completely out on the NBA a long time ago. I mean, I'm not a basketball guy anyways. I think a lot of us know that. I, I sent, you know, Gamecock basketball is really the only thing I'll watch. NBA, I'm just completely out on it. I mean, I was – I will say this, though. I was excited that when LeBron actually went back to L.A. just because, like, that was – I don't know, like, putting L.A. back on the map. Because when I – you know, when I was coming up, it was all – Kobe and the Lakers that's kind of like that I grew up more in Kobe's prime than in Michael Jordan's prime so that was cool but yeah I'm completely out on the NBA I have no interest whatsoever I mean what's the point in playing the whole season we know well we used to know the two teams that are going to be there in Golden State and Cleveland but now with LeBron leaving the East we know that it's going to be Golden State and someone else maybe your Celtics but maybe I mean, so. for, for me so. no point in watching the season so well, that brings me to my overreaction of the week, which is DeMarcus Cousins won't be that much of an impact player for the Warriors. I really think if he – I mean, obviously he's a like a perennial all-star and a first or second team all-NBA player, but if he doesn't really have that good of a comeback from the Achilles injury, he's probably not going to get that big of a, a good of a deal in the open market. And for like the impact player thing, I'm like, there's only one ball. I mean, how many shots can he get a night other than getting cleaned up? Because, you know, you do have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, and Draymond Green playing with you. And all of them deservedly get their shots. They should a night. So where does DeMarcus Cousins fit? I don't really know, but we'll see how it pans out. 
Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, I heard an interesting point is like you have the perfect team. You won the finals. Why would you add someone else? And it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me, but, you know, what do I know? Uh, my overreaction of the week is going to stick with basketball and stick in the NBA. Um, LeBron is never going back to the finals. So my reaction of the week, LeBron's never going to go back to the finals. You know, he went over to the Lakers, which I, you know, gr- I think great for maybe the tail end of his career, you know, sail off in the sunset. You're obviously in Los Angeles, best weather, you know, you're, some would argue the best coast. I mean, a great place to play. You're playing where legends have played before, but I just don't see them ever getting back to the finals, being on the same side as not only the Warriors, but the Rockets as well. So, and, and I will say that that is probably the most you're ever going to hear us talk about any type of basketball, definitely any NBA basketball on this podcast. And that just lets you know that it's, it is peak off season when we're starting to yeah. talk about NBA on the Spurs up show. But speaking of peak off season, as everybody knows, the off season is list season. Everybody comes out with their list, top, <clears throat> excuse me, top 10 this, obviously top 25 preseason rankings, but, you know, top 30 cornerbacks in the country or top most underrated players or top uh, contenders for the Heisman. We thought we'd do our own little spin on list season. So basically we're going to give our top five. We've got three good lists that we feel like you guys are going to really, really enjoy all Gamecock specific, of course. Um, we're going to go through and give our list hashtag list season. Should be a lot of fun. We're going to start. I'll go. Uh, Tom and I will go back and forth, kind of giving ours, explaining each of our picks. Um, and I will let Tom start first. Our first list is going to be best wins in Gamecocks history. Tom, I'll let you start. Well, a little bit of a shocker here. For number five on my list, I'm going South Carolina over Michigan this year. I think this win could turn the program around and put Will Muschamp really on the radar as one of the best coaches in college football and in the SEC. If he, I think he's already probably top three. You know, you have Jimbo and um, Nick Saban, obviously. I think you can make an argument for him for top three if he has another good year this year, a 10-win season. But I think that win really is going to solidify his place when he's one of the really good Gamecock coaches so far in his short tenure over the history of this um, the program or the football program. <clears throat> I like it. I like it. So my number five, I'm going to go back a little bit, maybe show my age a little with this one. And I kind of had to, I kind of, you know, most of, I'll say this kind of preface too. Most of our picks are going to be obviously more recent than anything. Obviously Tom nor I were alive in the seventies or eighties to watch Gamecock football. So we apologize for all of the, all of the old heads listening to our podcast who feel, who feel slighted if we left out a game from the eighties, but my number five game is going to be South Carolina football in 2000, beating Georgia, the Quincy Carter five interception game. Uh, Lou Holtz's second season after the inaugural 0-11 season. South Carolina the week before, you'll remember, beat New Mexico State, tore down the goalposts, ended a 21-game losing streak, only to the following week play Georgia in Williams-Brice Stadium and spring a huge upset, which led to an eight-win season, uh, including an Outback Bowl win over Ohio State. So my number five, the five-pit game, that ended Quincy Carter's Heisman hopes for the 2000 season. Great, great uh, pick there. Uh, my number four, I'm going South Carolina 2012 against Georgia, beating the doll crap out of them in national TV 35-7. to I think uh, Jadavion Clowney literally jumped over a guy and got a sack. I mean, I was still like 12 when this game was happening, so can't really remember that much about it, but I just remember them – supposed to be this is supposed to be a close game and it was going to be really tight and we basically ended Aaron Murray's Georgia career that game and made him cry so that's my number four very good pick very good pick I'm actually going to switch sports for my number four pick um 
any diehard South Carolina fan will remember this game. The 2011 College World Series game one against Florida, in which the Gamecocks went to extra innings with Florida. You'll remember Scott Wingo had the heroics uh, infield in, the diving stop, the throw to home, the double play turned. Um, you'll remember the uh, the throw from left field. I, I forget his name for some reason if I wasn't trying to think of it right now. Jake Williams. It was Jake Williams had the miraculous throw from left field to home to gun out the Florida runner. And what what may arguably be, I mean, literally one of the best, one of the best college baseball games ever played, ever played, not just in the College World Series, but in general. So I'll go 2011 game one. And, all, and you know, it also helps that Florida, South Carolina went on to beat Florida in game two and win the national championship over their SEC East rival. So I'll go game one against Florida in 2011 for my fourth, uh, fourth pick. Uh, I'm going to switch over to basketball for my third pick. I'm going South Carolina over Duke in March Madness last year. So Darius Stonewall is literally Jason Tatum's dad. I don't care what anyone says. Darius Stonewall is arguably the best basketball player ever play at South Carolina. Uh, that just beating Duke and having friend a friend Benjamin Lamb that's a Duke fan is probably one of the most satisfiable moments of my life. Uh, South Carolina over Duke last year. Oh, that's that's a good pick. I remember watch. I, I will never forget where I was watching that game. I got to say that that was God. That was so much fun to watch. I was actually watching one of my buddies here in Charlotte too, who is a who is a diehard Dukey. So that made it even better. <clears throat> um, moving for my number three pick. This is a tough one. I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger on it though, Tom. I'm going to go football 2010 against Alabama, South Carolina. Obviously, we all know the backstory. College game day is in town. Alabama comes to Williams-Brice Stadium for a 3.30 kickoff. The Gamecocks absolutely dismantle the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, forget the final – what was it? 35-21 was the final score. Steven yeah. Garcia had the absolute game of his life. Alshon Jeffrey had, had uh, what, two – I believe two touchdown catches. Um, just an overall just dismantling of the number one team in the country. The first time South Carolina had ever beaten a number one team. So, for my third pick, easy choice here, 2010 versus Bama. Who is a quarterback on that team that's on the SEC Network now? Greg McElroy. Uh, Greg, Greg McElroy, yeah. He still hates us for that. Like, he never picks us to win any kind of game because he – well, he, he You remember it was him and Booger that picked South Carolina to go 4-8 and eight last yeah, year. Yeah, I was uh, like – I, I, they got so much heat for. Yeah, well, okay, my third pick, I'm going – South Carolina over – for my second pick, actually, I'm sorry. South Carolina over Notre Dame in 1984, 36-32. South Carolina comes back from – I think it was double-digit deficit. It was the year of the Black Magic and the Fire Ant defense. One of the craziest – like, probably one of the – probably the, one of the biggest wins in South Carolina football history, considering that was the year that they probably should have won the national championship and it wasn't for a loss to Navy at the end of the year. And just one of the best Gamecock teams ever watched. So, South Carolina over Notre Dame, 36-32. Yeah, that was a fantastic year. I was, you know, I, I what just missed my top five too was the 1984 season when they beat Florida State. Oh, it was yeah. hard to put that one on the list when they had lost to Navy the very next week. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, what are we number two pick? All right, my number two pick. Pretty, pretty. Well, I'll say pretty easy pick here. Uh, the women's basketball national title against Mississippi State. I mean, listen. You know, to, to get a national championship in any sport, I think, obviously belongs in the top five. That was a really special team. Dawn Staley's kind of validation of what she had done with the South Carolina Gamecocks women basketball program. Obviously, we know, you know, with Asia Wilson now, who's arguably we didn't have didn't have this list, but is arguably maybe the best Gamecock of all time, the most accomplished Gamecock of all time um, for South Carolina to win. There was obviously, I think this could be, this could have been Tom. I think this could be the best win ever 
for South Carolina in, in their history if they had beaten UConn when they did it. Um, mm-hmm. Mississippi State obviously upset UConn to get the title game. So we'll put it at two, South Carolina's women's basketball team winning the national championship. Uh, for my number one best win of all time, and I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for this. I don't know why I would, but is South Carolina beating Clemson in 2013, 31-17. For Connor Shaw's last ever home game, and that was the last year of the eleven and two, eleven and two seasons, obviously. And then they just beat the dog breath out of Clemson, in my opinion. The score was only two score touched. It was only a two score game, but I just I love the fact Connor Shaw got to walk off, never losing a never lost a home game as a starter, right? I'm pretty sure. Yep. Nope. Eighteen and up. Yeah, best quarterback they ever played at South Carolina walks off his last game beating Clemson at home. You can't ask for anything better than that. Yeah, no, I, and I was at that game, and you know, I always find it funny. We, you know, not to get off in too much of a tangent, we we ran this poll on our Twitter account. Uh, what was the most electric moment in Williams Bryce Stadium history? And you know, obviously, you had tons and tons of people, you know, respond to that 2012 Georgia game when A. Sanders returned the punt. But I think a game that really gets slept on, as far as atmosphere is concerned, is that 2013 Clemson game because. Me personally, I've never heard a stadium louder than when Pharaoh Cooper hit Brandon Wilds for the 26-yard touchdown at the end of the game mm-hmm. to seal that game and put it away. I mean, I've never been in, in an environment like that before. It was just so much fun. Arguably the most fun Gamecocks football game I've ever attended. Um, my number one, and you know, this one sits really close to home to me, but I think really you can credit a lot of South Carolina's athletic success to this win just because of the hope that it gave the program over all the sports. And you got to go back to the men's baseball, you know, obviously the college baseball national title against UCLA, Whit Merrifield hitting the walk-off uh, in the, I believe it's the bottom of the 11th inning, hitting the walk-off Gamecocks win two to one, win their first ever national title in baseball, um, really their first ever national title in a major sport. Um, they had had others in like equestrian track and field with all due respect to those sports though, their first national title, one of the, really the big three of baseball, basketball and football. So I, you know, I just think that win, winning the national championship, I think really gave South Carolina fans hope that it was possible. Um, and really gave South Carolina fans again, optimism that it could be done at South Carolina, that you could recruit here. You could win at the highest level, even though again, it was baseball. I mean, baseball is a, very, very prominent sport. And really, it, it also validated what Ray Tanner had done at South Carolina, all the success he had had. So I think that is that is the best win in Gamecocks history. So, Tom, what were some of the ones that didn't make your list that would you, you would put as a honorable mention? Uh, South Carolina over Florida in 2009, winning the first ever SEC battle. No, Spurrier going down to Florida and having to beat his former Gators team to win the SEC East first time ever. Just that season. That would be a really good season that year. What was that, 2009 or 2010? That was 2010. 2010. 2010. My bad. 2010. No, you're good. So, that was a big one to me. Uh, other than that, I think we hit all of my games. All, everything on my list, we both hit on. Yeah, I was going to say um, – <clears throat> I was going to say, actually, one of, the, one of the ones that almost was really, really close to making my top five, 2005 against Tennessee. South Carolina's first ever win in Knoxville it was in Steve Spurrier's first season. You know, South Carolina came into their classic Orange Crush series of the schedule, you know, needing to win a couple games to make a bowl game. Um, Steve Spurrier goes into Knoxville, beats Philip Fulmer. Josh Brown makes a 49-yard field goal with about about two minutes left. And I, I remember watching the replay, that field goal. I mean, that ball literally it was about an inch from scraping the the uprights as it went through. So, <laughs> 
that was a real fun one. And then my other one, just from personal, this one's really personal, but the 2014 South Carolina Georgia game football, you know, I was, I was there for that one. So this one kind of brings a personal touch for me, but just being at that game, you know, that was a crazy, crazy back and forth affair. Um, you remember just so many, so many, uh, momentum swings. Marshall Morgan misses the field goal attempt. I think like a 22 yarder. I mean, literally a little bit longer, an extra point. Uh, South Carolina gets the controversial first down. So a really, really great game there as well. So, all right, we'll go to our best uniforms of all time. We're going to stick really football here. We kind of figured it's kind of hard to go through all the uniforms for every single sport. Uh, but we're going to do, do best Gamecock football uniforms. And I'll start, and really, I'm going to go back, take it classic. You mentioned a game earlier for the best wins. I'm going to go back to that same season, the Fire Ants, the All Garnet 1984, is going to be my number five pick. Um, just a really classic look. Um, the only thing that holds them out of the top for me, I'm not a huge fan of the white circle. I, I, I just like the All Garnet helmet. I love the white circle. I, I, I'm not a, I mean, I, I just not, I don't know. I, I'm not a huge fan of it. I don't mind it, but it's just. I don't think it's necessary, but the all garnet look to me. I'm a, I, I love the all garnet look, so I'm gonna go with the uh, the fire ants, 1984. Uh, good pick. I had that one pretty high up, so you took that one from me. So thanks. Um, <laughs> my number five pick is gonna be when they go white garnet garnet, like white helmet garnet jersey garnet. Big pants. game garnet. Well, big game garnet, but gig, but to me, big game garnet is all garnet in my opinion. But I know like right, that's, okay. not you, that's not how you think about it, but. That's how I think about it, but obviously younger fan not is inclined to think about stuff like that. But I I love that look. I think it's classic. The classic sprayer era look to me is probably one of the the jerseys that we won most of our big games and obviously like you say big game darn it. But that was my pick. You no, know, love that love that uniform combo. Very good, very good. All right, cool. So number four, I'm gonna go a little bit off the radar here. Um, I'm going to go with the Wounded Warrior all-gray jersey, Ugh. South Carolina War in 2012. I, I I really thought this was an alternate South Carolina got right. I think the only thing that really holds it back is the having the white helmet with it. But I really – I mean, it obviously had to stick because, one, a ton of people wear those jerseys around still, and a ton of people wear gray Gamecock polos and stuff like that. So, yeah. obviously, some fans liked it. I don't know. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of it, number four all-time. Again – I don't have knowledge of our jerseys we wore back in the 60s, 70s, really even yeah. most of the 80s. So I'm going to go with uh, with the 2012, the Wounded Warrior All Grays for my fourth. Okay, I really disagree that those – I think those uniforms are awfully ugly. And plus the way that we lost to uh, LSU and Auburn because when we wore those jerseys, it may put some of the bad taste in my mouth. But anyway, my number four pick is the Stormtrooper all white out, white all white out when they go that uniform combo. I love that. I don't think we went that this year on the road, did we? I'm pretty sure we didn't. No, we didn't wear it this year. I was shocked. Yeah, I love that uniform combo. I think it's a really clean look, but that was my number four pick. Yeah, no, for sure. I was really, really surprised we didn't wear those this year. Yeah, I was kind of really, really disappointed more than anything. Um, all right, for my third pick, I'm gonna go with some more classic uniforms. I'm gonna go to 1987. The Garnet Black White that South Carolina wore against Clemson uh, in their win over Clemson in 1987. I think they actually had Gamecocks on the chest of those. I'm going to look those up right now because I could be wrong. But I'm pretty sure they actually had Gamecocks across the chest instead of Carolina. Yeah, they had Gamecocks across the chest instead of Carolina. Um, Garnet Black White. Just a combo. I'd love to see them throw this back as a retro. Uh, I think it's it had the Garnet helmets with the white circle. But I just think a really, really cool uniform combo. It's funny. 
because Will Muschamp has finally decided, you know, he decided to come in and kind of switch up the unis a little bit. It's cool to see that, you know, a lot of fans are really clamoring for some of these different uniform combos. You remember his very first game as Gamecocks head, head coach, 2016, South Carolina wore that uniform combo, yeah. except you had obviously the normal Carolina on the uh, the jersey. So I think it's a really cool look. I'll go with the uh, with those as my number three pick. Okay, so my number – I'm on three, right? I'm on number three, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm on number three. Uh, <laughs> my number three pick is the uniforms we wore against Florida in 2015 with the gang oh. cocktail on the helmet. I love that. I wish they would bring that back. It was, obviously, we lost that game, so it kind of left a bad taste on it. But I thought those uniforms looked really cool with the white helmet with the uh, feather and then black and black. I thought it looked a really good look. I wish that, I really do wish they bring that uniform combat back. Yeah, that so you're yeah 2015. That that was a cool one. That was Sean. Uh, that was the one Sean year. Elliott. Sean Elliott. That was that was a uh, Spurrier's year that, that yeah. he left. Yeah, those were those were very very different. Yeah, I, I love them. Like, those were really cool. I wish they bring them back. Yeah. So my number two. It's funny how many throwbacks I'm having. I didn't think I'd have that many throwbacks, but I'm gonna go to the George Rogers. I don't. I don't know if you remember those uniforms, but they had the huge Gamecock logo on the helmet. Yeah. I mean, literally like this oversized South Carolina, the C with the Gamecock, crazy big logo. I don't know. I really like those uniforms. Maybe it's because I like seeing George Rogers in it, but I think that's a really really cool uniform. Again, I I don't know if South Carolina could do it with uh with underarm, but I really wish they would look into having some of these throwback uniforms because there are some really, really cool uniforms that South Carolina wore. And you remember those uniforms as well. They had the stars on the helmet. Yeah, that would be nice. I just, thought, I just I think for one game, having that, putting some stars on the helmet, I don't know. I think it'd be a nice nod to kind of the past of South Carolina football. And I agree. Uh, I don't know. I, I just think that that uniform is a really clean look, especially I'm, I'm looking at him now when he wore the all white, uh, with the like I said, the white helmet with the huge block C and Gamecock on the side. I thought that was a really cool look. So I'm going to go with those, uh, the George Rogers South Carolina uniforms for my number two overall pick. My number two is going to be the garnet, white garnet that they wore during the Mike Holt. It would have been the 1984 season two of Black Magic. Um, it was one of the better looks to me. I thought it was like, I think they wore at Clemson they, when they played that year. I could be, let me look it up really quick. I'm pretty positive, but I'm, yeah, that that look to me was just looked really great, and I thought that well, that team in general was great. Uh, yeah, they played at Clemson that year. I'm pretty positive they wore it was uh, garnet, white, black, and that the jersey look just looks great to me. I wish they would bring that back, like a throwback uniform, like you've been saying with the other ones. But if they do, they do. If they don't, they don't. It's kind of wish I wish. It's kind of why I wish they'd sign with Nike so they could do more like creative stuff. But no. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I just – I don't know why that wouldn't be an option for them. I know a lot of other teams kind of switch up the unis. But, yeah, I guess Under Armour is kind of weird about that, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so, for my number one pick, big pick here. Um, I really went back and forth on this one. But, I, you know what, I'm going to – this may be an unpopular pick. I'm going to give the nod to it, though. I'm going to go with the current All Blacks. I know that a lot of people don't like those. A lot of people don't like wearing All Black. But – I think what South Carolina has done with the helmet, to me, more so puts it over the top than anything with the flat black paint. I just think that yeah. looks so sharp. I mean, I could almost put any any uniform combo that South Carolina wears with a flat black helmet. It just looks so good. But I love the all-black uniform combo. I really – it just sucks that South Carolina lost to Kentucky in it because I yeah. think fans are really turned off from it now. <laughs> they want nothing to do with a blackout of any sort because yeah. South Carolina has terrible, terrible history of blackouts. But – 
I still think it would be really cool to see them wear. I, I really hope they wear that uniform at least once this season. But I, I love the all black. I, yeah, I think it's really intimidating, especially at night. And um, So I'm going to go with the all black for my number one pick. Well, you took my number one pick, but I'm still gonna say it because it's my favorite uniform combo of all time. It's all garnet with the white seat with the white circle around it, with the black stripe down the middle, with the red or the yeah, the black stripe down the middle. I just love the uniforms. I think they're probably to me easily the best looking uniforms that South Carolina's ever had. We disagree there, but I just think they look. It's a great look. It's a just pays homage to us always being the garnet team, not just red. Like Lou Holt said on um, what was the blind side, and he said that South Carolina red, I think, or something like that. But love it, all garnet, got to be my number one pick. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, what I'm surprised neither one of us had a uh, the old the old Russell uniforms of 2005 in there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> shocker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any that didn't make your list that were close that you were debating on having up there? I, I mean, I do. I'll say this, I. I'll say this. If that's the only way that South Carolina is going to wear all garnet again with garnet helmets is they have the circle around it, I'll do it. I'm all for it. Whatever. I just well, – did I love, it. I love the all garnet look. Didn't they wear – they wore it – they wore those uniforms for a retro in 2015 when we lost to Clemson 37-32. Well, so, yeah. Well, yeah. So, they did have the white circle then. They yeah, wore them in 2015. The I, th- I thought they looked sharp, honestly. Yeah, I did too. Those 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 all garnet ones you mentioned also have the uh, the Gamecocks across the front instead of Carolina. Oh, really? So. Yeah. Do you do you like Carolina or Gamecocks across the chest? I like more? Carolina. Well, I think I like Carolina when they're wearing like, I think when they're wearing garnet. But I think I like for away uniforms to say Gamecocks if that makes sense. That's just how that's like what I, how I think of it. But there is no yeah, uniform that I didn't say. It's the white black white. Didn't they, did they wear that against A and M this year? Is it? I think they did. White black white was against a uh, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, well, the, okay. The home game, right? Yeah. When they played Vandy at home, they wore okay. white, black, white. Yeah, I really thought, thought that uniform looked clean. I think you should always try to match helmet and pants, but I thought it was a really good look for us. I thought I think we should bring it out again. That was another one that I just was so, like, yeah. I'm, I'm really surprised that the black garnet black, kind of the latest one that Will Muschamps pulled out, didn't make the list. Isn't that the one Javon Kinlaw said he loved? So Javon Kinlaw said he loved the garnet helmet, black jersey, garnet pants, which looked – I don't, I don't, I I'd like have to it. get used. I'd have to get used to it. It, it just, yeah, something about it didn't look right. I, I'll tell you this: I really wish with the garnet helmet they do the same thing what they did with the black helmet and make it that that flat paint. I wish it that would be I like think, a darker. Like I wish it was a little bit darker. Yeah, Maybe the helmet. The helmet when you get it in a certain light, I think it almost looks like a Pepto Bismol, like really, really lighter red. It, it's yeah. just a very strange, just the way the sun comes off it. I don't know, but. I see all these these pictures from practice, and they're wearing the garnet helmets. They're wearing all garnet, and I'm like, God, it looks so fresh. Yeah. So, but, yeah, so moving on, our last list, um, we're going to do most underrated players, most underrated Gamecocks of all time. Um, and I will let Tom start with this one. This one should be a fun one. My number five is going to be Steven Montak, the safety on the current team now. He's probably going to be – I think he's one of the best – tacklers and I just love playing play watching play he hits he hits hard he does the things nobody else wants to do I think he's a really good player for us a guy that I wish would get to play more but that's my number five is Stephen Montag okay and he, hey he might he might have a breakout year this year not that's be so underrated, but I, I agree he's he's definitely one of the most underrated players on this defense there's no question yeah. about it um my number five pick most underrated players um I'm gonna go Pat DeMarco I, I know he's kind of a guy who's recognized by Gamecock fans but 
you know, the fullback is a dead position now in college yeah. football. And what he did for South Carolina, I really feel like South Carolina wouldn't have nearly the success uh, that they did. I don't. Th- I'm not sure Marcus Lattimore would have had the success that he had. I mean, that's probably he's probably one of the least talked about Gamecock greats. Is Patrick? He's yeah, probably the, that he's, was, I mean, he paved the way for the Marcus Lattimore for a lot of his rushing yeah. yards. Yeah, 100. percent had to, had a big touchdown too in the 2000. What was it? 2010 game at Clemson had the touchdown reception from Stephen yeah, Garcia. Pat DeMarco yeah. did a lot for South Carolina that I think Gamecock fans, again, maybe don't realize because the fullback position is just a dead position now. Um, it'd be really interesting to see how he could be incorporated. I bet now if he would have went, like if he would have went to college now, they probably would have slimmed him down, worked on his speed, and he probably would have been like an H back or somebody that you usually. He'd have been a tight end to me. I yeah. think he'd have to go tight end, like it's just a blocking down tight end because that's. Yeah, really the only thing they would use a player like of his caliber for at this point. Yeah, but for me, number five, definitely Pat DeMarco. Like I said, he did a lot of great things. I think Gamecock fans don't even really realize. So my so my number four is going to be Michael, the quarterback of the Black Magic. I don't think he gets enough recognition for what he did. He came in and the I think it was like the second game of the season or maybe the first game when the court the, the quarterback in front of him got hurt and led them to obviously one of their best one of the probably. One of the best until the eleven and two seasons. Uh, I just I think he doesn't get enough credit for what he did for South Carolina. Just think he has to be on the list of the most underrated players. Yeah, no, I definitely like that. Hold that tiger. I don't think anybody ever forget that. Yeah, my number four here. Um, a little bit of a tough pick, but I think a guy that didn't get talked about quite as much on those great defenses, and a guy that was on the same team as Patrick Demarco actually. But a guy that I'm not sure gets talked about nearly as much as guys like DJ Swearinger, Melvin Ingram, Devin Taylor, you know, Javon Clowney in his early years. Antonio Allen, yeah, um, the free safety, absolute ball hawk. I mean, a guy that was all over the field. Um, that same exact Clemson game I mentioned earlier, 2010, had the pick, had a pick six um, off Kyle Parker that really sealed that game and ended it. Um, I think, again, just a guy that kind of got overshadowed by, again, he played with guys like DJ Swearinger. So you can definitely understand why wasn't talked about quite as much. But Antonio Allen, a guy that left South Carolina, went on the NFL. I'm not sure if he's still playing now, but if he isn't, had a really solid NFL career. Um, so, yeah, I'd go Antonio Allen. I think a sneaky, sneaky, sneaky pick here, but a guy that much, much better than I think people gave him credit for a real ball hawk on that 2010 defense. I agree. I almost had Devontae Holloman on this list as one of the players that didn't get enough credit that just was a baller for us, too. Yeah, that's a good one. My number three uh, most underrated player of all time is going to be place kicker Ryan Suckup. I don't think he he gets enough credit for what he does. I'm a special teams guy, love special teams. Obviously, he's the second in career points in South Carolina behind Elliott Fry, who's the GOAT kicker. So that's my number three, Ryan Suckup. Oh, man, you're making me want to go special teams now. I'm not going to do it, though. I, I've got a really, really good honorable mention now, though. Um, so my number three – we're on number three, right? Number three overall yeah. pick. Number, okay, number three overall pick. Uh, I'm going to turn back the clock just a little bit. I'm going to go Anthony Wright, quarterback in the late 90s for South Carolina. Now, listen, his teams weren't all that great. I'm definitely not trying to say that. But I think Anthony Wright is underrated in the sense that his skill set – I think Anthony Wright really was penalized by – he was almost ahead of the college football curve. You put Anthony Wright in an offense today, he's probably one of the better quarterbacks in the country. But obviously in the late 90s, the spread offense hadn't really developed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, it, it just wasn't as prevalent as it is now today. Kind of, you know, Steve Spurrier was still kind of incorporating the fun and gun. And, like, again, that was a foreign concept to most coaches. I think Anthony Wright, a guy that was just one of the best skill players to come through South Carolina, had a bunch of talent. But, again, just kind of played in the wrong time and probably played in the wrong system. So, yeah, uh, I might catch some heat for that pick, but I'm going to go Anthony Wright, number three. So, my number two, also another quarterback, is going to be Phil Petty. Probably the th- – Probably the third best quarterback to ever play at South Carolina behind Connor Shaw and Steve Tannehill. I would say he's either three or four, but I don't think he gets enough recognition for what he did. He went from being on a team that was 0 and 11 to leading the South Carolina to back to back, I think nine win seasons. And then you have him beating Ohio State in back to back bowls. I don't think anybody, there's no other quarterback that can claim that they did that. And you beat Ohio State twice if you played at South Carolina. I just think that he doesn't get enough credit for what he accomplished when he was a South Carolina quarterback. Yep. No, yeah, definitely agree. I mean, Phil Petty, yeah, also wore number 14, similar to Connor Shaw. I mean, yep. really brought South Carolina's program out of the depths. I mean, had some, yeah, fantastic, 11 year. had some fantastic wins when you think. I mean, all the yeah. upsets in 2000, went on the road to Athens in 2001, uh, beat Clemson in 2001. So, yeah, no, absolutely. And rebounded from an 0-11-99. He was the quarterback of that team, too. So. Yeah, I think Great. it was for half yeah. the year. I think he was for half the year. <clears throat> yeah, no, absolutely. So my number two most underrated Gamecock, you know, I'm going to go ahead and pull the trigger on him, Tom. I'm going to go Patrick Fish, placeholder. No! Placeholder and back. <laughs> yep, I'm going to – just because you made me think of special teams, I'm going to go Patrick Fish because, you know what, I was reading this week about Elliot Fry. Um, we actually had our kick uh, countdown. We had 55 days of kick countdown. It was the day that Elliot Fry kicked the 55-yard field goal to beat Vanderbilt. And what people forget about Elliot Fry, he has the most career points in, in South Carolina history. Who was holding all his kicks? Patrick Fish. He had one of the best holders in the country. Nobody, obviously, is the holder you never get talked about. So the the classic Fish Fry jokes that were made, um, I think Patrick Fish, again, as a holder, you don't get talked about. But, hey, somebody had to hold the football for Elliot Fry to kick it through the upright. So that was really – and you know what? I, you made me do it. You you made me think of special teams. So I'm, I'm going to put the blame on you here. Bro, that was my number one pick. And I was like, there's no way he's going to say Patrick <laughs> Fish, most underrated player. I'm so mad when now. You, when you said special teams, I just, I don't, it just, it popped in my head. I really don't know why, but it just popped in my head. Okay. Well, since you took my freaking pick, I'm going to have to go long snapper Drew Williams. He was a long snapper for Elliot Fry, I think. <laughs> I, I don't even care at this point. I we got all three of the goat special teams in South Carolina, so that's really what matters. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. Um, oh, my number one pick. This one's tough because I'm really I'm between two guys. Um, I think at the end of the day, though, my no, my most underrated gamecock of all time's got to be Savell Newton. Um, what did the guy not do? I mean, yeah. he, he ran, he caught the ball, he played quarterback for goodness sakes under under Steve Spurrier. I mean, he did everything for that South Carolina Gamecocks team. Uh, what was I mean? I think if he was on a better team, if he was on the team this year, if he was on the, some of those better teams, he would have been talked about as a potential Heisman candidate, as one of the best players in the country by far. But unfortunately, he was on, you know, a six and six or a six and five team, a seven and six team, or seven and five team, what have you, a six to five to seven win team, really. Um, I think Savelle Newton, again, is a guy that extremely underrated, should be talked about, honestly, Tom, in my opinion, as one of the greatest overall athletes to ever come through the University of South Carolina, regardless of sport. So I'm going to go Savelle Newton, my number one underrated Gamecock. 
I agree. I think he was a really good player. I don't think he gets talked about enough. But you know who we really – we didn't mention him, most underrated players of all time. But I really don't think Mike Davis gets enough credit for the player he was in South Carolina. You think about being so, a Marcus Lattimore shadow. So, okay, okay. So, I, I was about to say which Mike Davis. Not the – no. I think the other Mike Davis is underrated as well. Well, okay. Both of them are pretty underrated to me. But I think the 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 newer, the, the younger Mike oh, yeah, Davis no, is yeah, pretty right, underrated. Right. Because he was behind Lattimore, and then he gets to one year, I think, when they went 7-5 and five, when he got to play the entire year that he was a starter of the team. But he's good, doing good in the NFL. I think he's, like, really doing really well in the community, too, for, you know, and in, in, uh, is he uh, Seattle now? I think he's in Seattle. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you'll forget, he was he was on that 2013 team that went 11-2. and two. Oh, really? He had the he had the 75-yard the oh, yeah, yeah. touchdown yeah. run in the opening game against North Carolina. He had the – the, the video we posted today, the countdown video, was against UCF. That game was in 2013. I literally put up the stat in that game. He had three carries in the first half of that game. He finished the game with 26 carries for 167 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah. Didn't, so, who was it that he didn't get enough carries against that we probably would have beat if he had gotten more carries? And, and we went – who did we lose to in uh, We lost two games. One of them was Tennessee. Okay, and Tennessee one of them was Georgia. Game. Tennessee was the game where he said he should have gotten more carries. Yeah, no, that is – yeah, he did say that on Twitter. No, you are right. No, Georgia was oh – God, I'll never forget. Georgia 2013 was the game that Steve Spurrier thought running the speed option from the inch line was a good idea. And it just got absolutely – I mean, literally it's one of those scenarios if you just go in the eye formation and give it to Davis or do a quarterback sneak, you're going to score a touchdown. Yeah. Why would you start in the shotgun at the five-yard line? Makes no sense. But, no, I like that. Yeah, my, my honorable mention, some guys I didn't list, I would put Corey Boyd up there running back. I, I'm all – I'm kind of – it's funny. I'm kind of sticking in the same time frame. I think it's because when I first started watching Gamecock football, and I was thinking about this the other day, you know, I don't know if you think about this, Tom, but 2000 – you know, there were a lot of great events that happened when Steve Spurrier became head coach. But really, to me, like 2006 to 2009, it almost feels like a blur of Gamecock football. Yeah. It, it's weird. It's, like, hard to define that era. Because Average. Steve Spurrier was kind of just, yeah, I mean, just getting started. Um, he was sort of building. I mean, I, I was looking back because some of those some of those years, I'm like, what happened that year? I mean, who did we play? Like, yeah. You almost forget. And, I mean, I think Corey Boyd, again, was a guy just ran ran his heart out, ran as tough as anybody. Um, and, and one that I know I catch a lot of flack for, my buddies, I've already had a buddy of mine give me tons of crap for, but I put Blake Mitchell on there. Steve Spurrier's, Steve Spurrier's first ever quarterback. I mean, his offensive lines were absolutely atrocious. I always defend Blake Mitchell. I don't think he's nearly as bad or was nearly as bad as people tried to make him out to be. So I, I Blake Mitchell nearly cracked my top five, to be perfectly honest with you. So, I mean, I think but, he was a good quarterback. He, he was much better, again, than I think people gave him credit for. I mean, yeah. Steve Spurrier's first QB – Again, his offensive line was terrible. Um, so I don't know. I, you know, and again, you know, you think about Blake Mitchell, what he did first quarterback to beat Tennessee and Knoxville, first quarterback to beat Florida in the, in the last, like, for the first time in like 70 years in 2005, beat Clemson on the road, no six. You know, the he had his boneheaded plays, but you know, I don't know. Maybe I've got a soft spot for Spurrier's first QB. Hmm. But, um, anyways, that's list season. So if you guys want to argue with our list, I bet I'm sure that plenty of you do. Be sure to tweet us at Armchair S Car. Tweet me and Tom directly. I'm at C Philly19. He's at Tom the Bomb. Is it Tom the underscore Tom bomb? Underscore the bomb. 
Tom underscore the bomb. There you go. Um, moving on a little bit, we do want to touch on some other things that came out this week. Obviously, SEC Media Days is next week. I know, Tom, I'm extremely excited. I've been sickly ready for football. Um, Tom will tell you directly. I mean, I've just been on Slack kind of just talking to myself almost about college football. So pretty uh, pretty weird stuff. But uh, SEC Media Days next week. Will Muschamp and players go Thursday? I had an article about this come out today, Tom. Really quickly, what players do you think go with Will Muschamp to SEC Media Days? Uh, who do I think he takes? Yeah, the three players. Uh, I'm going to go Jake Bentley, Bryce Knight Williams, uh, Parker White. Parker White. Oh, my God. He'll probably miss the flight. <laughs> yeah, he'll probably just <laughs> he'll, he'll miss the flight wide, wide right. right. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I, I was pretty conservative, too. I, I said Jake Bentley, Bryce Knight Williams, and Debo. I just think yeah. I said that Debo needs to have a chance to uh, defend his best – his uh his best dress title from last year because that suit he wore was pretty snazzy. So yeah, dude's fresh. That would be interesting. Um, Tom, really quickly, I'll ask you. I mean, is there one thing that you want to hear Will Muschamp answer as far as looking ahead of the 2018 season about the offense, about the defense overall? What's the one thing you want to hear from from Will Muschamp and hope that hope that he gets asked? I want someone to ask him about how terrible Kurt, R- Kurt Roper was as offense coordinator. And him be like, yeah, he sucked balls. Like, I know. Like, I, 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 you don't have to tell me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would love for him to kind of slip up a little bit when they ask him about, like, Brian McClendon. Like, how have you been impressed with Brian McClendon? Like, well, he's a lot better and day that much. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing, too. I definitely want to hear about the offense. I want to hear more about Dan Werner, his kind of relationship with Jake Bentley and sort of what he's doing to help make sure that Jake Bentley has a better junior campaign than he did last, you know, that he improved from his sophomore campaign. Cause obviously Bentley, it's, you know, a lot of what South Carolina is trying to achieve is yeah. going to be on his right arm. And completely agree. You know, what, what is Werner doing as far as making sure he's not missing those wide open throws, making the right decisions. And what is he doing to make sure that when Jake Bentley comes up against a team like a Georgia, like a Clemson, Florida, some of that top tier competition. How how are they going to attack that? So, well, I think if he plays like he did in the second half against Michigan, like just I think if he can consistently play like that throughout this year, we're going to have a pretty good season. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing, Gamecock fans, that's I think that's the biggest question. I mean, what what will the South Carolina offense look like? The first half against Michigan, or the second half against Michigan. So, but I, I think that's a little unfair though. I mean, they had two weeks to prepare that game. They've had an entire summer, an entire off season to get ready. And to, to implement their offensive scheme, their offensive system, so I uh, I think it will work out in the Gamecocks' favor, and fans will be very, very, very happy with what they see on the field, especially a lot happier than they were with a Kurt Roper. Yeah, for sure. fact. <laughs> um, last thing, SEC championship odds were released this week, Tom. Tons of buzz on Twitter about this. Um, not so much where the Gamecocks were re- or what the odds for the Gamecocks were, but who was ahead of them. Um, I'll go through them all really quickly. Alabama's five to eight, Georgia five to two, Auburn seven to one odds, Mississippi State twelve to one, Florida and and LSU eighteen to one, Missouri twenty to one, South Carolina and Texas A&M thirty to one, Tennessee a hundred to one, Arkansas and Kentucky are three hundred to one, Vandy's five hundred to one, and Ole Miss not available because they're not eligible for a bowl game. How how is Mizzou ahead of the Gamecocks, Tom? I think it's mainly because they're thinking Drew Locke is just going to be an absolute monster this year, which he was last year against really bad competition, and then he had a good half against Georgia. But I don't really understand how he's ahead. I don't really get how Missouri's ahead of South Carolina. Like, if you're going to pick somebody to beat Georgia and win the East, it's going to be South Carolina. I don't think there's any other choice there. 
So I don't really get that. I think if you're betting on anybody right here, I think it's Auburn to beat the um, win the SEC championship. I think that's probably the best the best value pick. Maybe I don't know. I mean, it's just hard to pick over Alabama. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I mean, it's definitely going to be about you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm a retired gambler, so I'm not going to say I'm going to put my money on it, but you definitely want to find the value. Really, one of the you know, obviously Missouri being ahead of South Carolina, I think is just bananas i mean yeah it has to be the drew lock effect but it's absolutely just bananas but yeah lsu being 18 to 1 and and also florida i mean a team i understand they get dan mullen but i mean florida was absolutely garbage last year i think they're going to be one of the most under the most overvalued teams i think they're going to be average at best this year i think they're six and six their ceiling is six and six this year and you know it's not something we've really talked about because we're going to start getting into obviously you know kind of our look ahead to the season. We're going to start previewing the season, looking at all the SEC teams, looking at the Gamecock schedule. And that's definitely one with Florida where I tend to agree. I mean, it's crazy how much how much people are valuing Florida. I mean, I've seen so many publications that think Florida's going to finish second in the East ahead of South Carolina, could possibly challenge Georgia for the East. I mean, with what quarterback? Yeah. I mean, again, I get Dan Mullen, you know, comes in, but my goodness. I mean, that's that was a train wreck that Jim McElwain left him. Um, but yeah, LSU being eighteen one. That's one I didn't even think about. That's, I mean, that that could go south in a hurry. They could be, they yeah. could be like a two and four football team through, through halfway through, through the season. LSU could too. I mean, God, they're. I think I like Ogeron a lot. I think he's a good coach, but I just do not know about that team considering how awful their offenses are. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah, it's it's, and they don't have a Darius Geis or a Leonard Fournette this year to hand the ball off to and kind yep. of rely on the running game. So. It's going to be very, very, very interesting for sure down in Baton Rouge. So um, that's pretty much going to wrap us up. Again, please be sure to go check it out. Check us out on all of our social media handles. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Armchair S Car, Facebook as well, Armchair South Carolina, of course, on the Armchair Americans. And again, please be sure to go to iTunes, the Stitcher app, wherever you listen to your podcast, wherever you consume your media. Go check us out. Download, subscribe, uh, share, and rate us. Please leave us a review. It helps other people find us as well as makes our show look good so please be sure to go check us out uh i think that's pretty much it tom you got any last words anything you want to leave the fans with before we get into a jam-packed sec media days week go cox and hope one must jump lights into a reporter this week <laughs> i you know what i think if there's a florida reporter there in old florida i think there's a pretty decent chance he will i promise you so, if we would have gotten if we would have somehow managed to get media passes i would have made him got like lose his mind on one question like i just to see what he would do <laughs> just ask him any defensive question i feel like so what were you thinking when you punched the whiteboard at texas that's like yeah. a popular gif now what was would, going through your mind? How have, have, you, have you have you punched a whiteboard since you've been South Carolina's head coach? That's a yes. I don't even know. I don't. That's a, that's I don't, a, that's a no hard yes. Yeah, that's a four oh, fact. That's a, that's a solid yes for sure. Um. All right. Cool. Well, that's a good note to end on. Again, he's Thomas Floyd. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we will catch you next week on the Spurs Up Show. <laughs>